Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And the reason why it's called that is about two weeks ago, I was on a flight, and I was in the galley putting the carts away. We had just finished the service, and out of the corner of my eye, I see something moving really fast. So as I turn to see what it is, at that very moment, I realize it's a guy and his he had fallen. And as I turn, his head hit the galley floor and he cracked his head open and blood squirted everywhere. I was like, whoa. Uh, you know, I immediately got something to put on um, his head where it looked like the blood was coming out and page for a doctor, a medical professional. And thank goodness we had an angel of a nurse on board that was able to really help the situation because, you know, head wounds, they just bleed and bleed and bleed. There was blood everywhere. Well, it turned out this guy had had a hangover the day before and he had been throwing up all day, hadn't eaten anything. Then the next day, he still hasn't eaten anything. He gets on our flight and takes a Tylenol PM. He takes a sedative. This is not a good recipe for air travel. <laughs> and unfortunately, these kind of things happen a lot. People get on the plane and they're tired. They, um, they're sleep deprived. They're, they get dehydrated. They drink too much. Lord knows the things they take. They take sedatives and they stand up to go to the bathroom and they keel over. So this is the idea for this episode. You know, there's always a price for things. And that price isn't, isn't always money. <laughs> Sometimes it's blood, sweat, and tears. So I started asking other flight attendants and pilots if they had any stories about crying, bleeding, sweating. <laughs> I've actually got a lot of stories, and thank goodness a lot of them still have laughs. So let's get started with our blood, sweat, and tears. I want to own you and I. I want to show. So this, this is the regional world, there's one flight attendant, 50 people. We're sitting at the gate and we're ready to go, or it's a quick turn, just trying to get the flight out on time. And I look down the aisle and, and the flight attendant comes up and she's kind of like in tears, kind of, I'm not sure what's going on, typical kind of drama. And I said, Rachel, are you, are you okay? And she said, yeah, yeah, I, I gotta go deal with something. So I, I kind of look back down the aisle again and she comes up, she's like, there's a guy back there who just won't stow his junk. Well, tell him to put the stuff away and let's go. <laughs> no, you don't understand. He just won't stow his junk. Well, put it in the overhead bin or underneath the seat and let's go. Come on, we're late. Like, no, no, no. His junk, it's out. He's asleep and his flies open and it's, it's out. His junk is out. Yeah, and his, then and what further complicates it is his seatbelt isn't on. So she's like, I don't really want to go down and reach for it. Wake him up. Was this a, a plan or whatever? So yeah, go back, wake him up, put the seatbelt on, let's go. Yeah. Really interesting to see somebody put it in the overhead bin. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> would, have, that would have been a little bit nuts, I think, yeah. I have for you and I, the kind that I would die. At Company X, it was... Which is now defunct. Yes, that, that is now defunct, thank goodness. At Company X, it was almost routine common practice that when you're dispatched from New York to go overseas somewhere, you would not get back within the specified length of time on your original rotation. So we had a captain at Company X whose whose name 
is uh, will always have a special place in my heart, who had his own personal policy. And his personal policy for every day that he was away from New York, beyond what his original rotation said, he would not shave. <laughs> I picked up this airplane in Dubai from him, and it was the airplane we're taking unpressurized to Athens. He had a full beard. I swear to God. So he ended up looking like Grizzly Adams? Well, not like Grizzly Adams, but it was a full Abraham Lincoln. So I think you had a similar incident. I just saw on a flight where this kid fell over and cracked his head open on the galley floor. Yeah, it was on one of those uh, international flights that I was doing, and uh, a lot of times people, they're tired, um, they, maybe they're dehydrated, and they get up real quick, and they fall over. Well, this one guy, uh, he was drinking, and he got up, and as soon as he got to the galley, he just passed out, and uh, we had a flight attendant out of Atlanta. She was a big gal. <laughs> and she just stood over him and straddled him, almost slapped him across the face to wake him up. And the first thing he saw when he opened her eye, his eyes was she was bending over him with her finger pointed at him saying, don't you ever do that again. She proceeds to give him a lecture about to do, how to drink a lot of water when you're flying so you don't get dehydrated. And the poor guy, he was saying, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And I bet he never did that again. Speaking of heads and thuds, like you were just talking about here, let's see, this would be the summer of 1974, Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're in basic training, so we're being run around pretty hard, yelled at a lot. Uh, short on sleep, short on food, short on hair. And we were all standing in attention in formation one day, and we're out in this big open area in the middle of the uh, buildings called the Terrazzo. And it's hot. We're, we're pretty tired at that point, and you're supposed to relax your knees a little bit when you're standing in attention so the blood keeps moving and you don't pass out. Well, somebody didn't do that, and it turned out to be this guy who was about six foot four. And we, without looking around, because you can't look around, we all of a sudden hear this thud, like a slab of meat just hit the pavement. Is it the worst sound? It is. It's very distinctive. I mean, it's just funk. And so it's like, oh, we hear people yelling and screaming and running around, and we kind of sneak glances. And one of our classmates had fallen over face first and chin first into the concrete and was bleeding pretty good there. He ended up getting stitches in his chin. Going when you go straight down. Yeah, and he was a big fella, so he got a little more speed than the rest of us. So that's my thud story. So if you've been to New York City, you know that the hotel rooms, unless you have a lot of money, are very small, really small. And the airline that I work for has put us in some hotels that. Uh, <laughs> Let's say they're 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 lacking, but because of this, and we know how expensive everything in, is in New York. Our expectations of a hotel room in in New York are lower than anywhere else in the country. So, I've been in rooms. Some rooms are so small there that you can't even get your your once you open the door, you can't get your suitcase in because the bed's right there, or the bathroom is so small that there's nowhere for them to put the towels. So they put the towels on your nightstand. <laughs> 
So as a, a group, the flight attendants have these low expectations for a hotel and um, things that you normally would call down and complain about if you were anywhere else. You just think, oh, it's New York. So we were staying at this hotel, and we have now since, thank goodness, changed because this hotel we were staying at, the last one we were staying at, it was bad. It ended up being in the news for having bed bugs. You know, you were worried when you were in your room. You're checking everything. And sometimes the windows would be jammed up open, like painted open. You couldn't even shut them. And um, so we're flying into New York on a layover, and this flight attendant, is, there's three of us standing there. One flight attendant says, you know, I've had rooms at this hotel where, where I can't shut the window. It's like jammed open. And I said, oh, you know, I've had that problem at this hotel too. And the other flight attendant says, oh, if your window won't shut, make sure you jam a pillow in there to make sure the rats don't get in. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> and I said, oh, yes, <laughs> the glamour aspect of the flight attendant job has definitely taken a downturn when you say, you know, if your window won't close, make sure you jam a pillow in there to make sure the rats don't get in. <laughs> was with Frontier, I guess, the old, old Frontier. And she was sitting uh, back on the jump seat, and I guess a gentleman had come back to use the restroom and they were trying to tell him the seatbelt light was on and he was going along like this and I guess somebody in the aisle raised their elbow and hit him in the stomach and completely projectiled all over Gloria and she said she was brand new she said I had noodles in my hair she she said she I said what the hell did you do and she says she goes, well, I don't know. She goes, I was scared I was going to get in trouble. So I just went in the bathroom and picked the noodles out, and I tried to fix my hair, and I just tried to clean myself up, and, and I went on my trip. <laughs> okay, so you're on a flight. Yeah, and this was years ago, and I was on a flight. We had several legs. It was maybe our fifth or sixth leg, and... Uh, we were waiting for the passengers to get on and I was with the other flight attendant and I looked down and I had a run in my stocking and I said oh I need to change my hose and she said what for two lousy legs and I said well I don't think they're so lousy and she said no I meant the two legs left in the trip so that last story reminded me of a joke that male flight attendants used to say to female flight attendants years ago before there was so much uh worry about sexual harassment, but uh, flight attendants are known for um, going into the restroom and putting on your lipstick or fixing your hair, maybe powdering your nose, especially um, on the last flight when you're about to land for the last leg of the day. And uh, we used to call up, I got to go put on my landing lips because this way you're going to be walking through the concourse and, you know, still wanted to keep up that image of the glamorous flight attendant. So you'd go in and um, fix your hair and your makeup you know, put on your landing lips. Well, male flight attendants used to make a joke saying, now, it's not just the landing lips. Remember, you need to groom between legs. (laughs) Because we call flights legs. (laughs) Remember, you got to groom between legs. (laughs) I I want to please you and I, I want to tease you. So you have an animal story? Actually, that's another story, but I'll I'll tell you that one too. I was working for a, uh, the same cargo company, uh, and um, we brought an airplane in from a DC-8 from Toledo to L.A., and we were 
shutting down the airplane and doing all the paperwork as they were offloading all the pallets out of the back of the airplane. And they got halfway through, and one of the um, handlers comes up, and he's basically has some paperwork in his hand. And we didn't know it, but we were carrying um, mice that had been infected with bubonic plague. And I the mice was going to be bad enough. No. <laughs> they, they, uh, you know, they, they, they put on mice with bubonic plague on the airplane. We never got any paperwork. The paperwork was all on the pallet, but we never saw it. So anyway, evidently something shifted back there, and it broke one of the containers open, and all the mice ran out, and so the containers were completely empty. And... Uh, so we had to make a write-up in the logbook that there may be mice loose on the airplane because mice are actually a pretty big hazard. They can eat into electrical wiring and stuff like that and cause a lot of problems. Alone that these are sick mice. Yeah, with bubonic plague. And uh, so we we write the, the problem up in the airplane's logbook and we call the company and tell them all that and they say they're going to take care of it. We're supposed to come back out that night and fly the airplane back east again. And um, they... Uh, what they had done to kind of address the problem is they went out and got a bunch of mouse traps and put them all over the airplane and just gave it the day to catch any mice and they didn't catch any so their conclusion was all the mice must have jumped off the airplane somehow and we flew the airplane that night <laughs> no not really <laughs> no it just never got well you know i could be a carrier without manifesting any symptoms yeah what a bite of my sandwich! <laughs> He's got a, a couple unusual boobules on his back, but you know, just I need they to should drain uh, them on yeah. occasion. They'll yeah, be on. They'll be fine. <laughs> it's not a hump. It's yeah. a pustule, a very large one. That's <laughs> funny. Well, it is funny. <laughs> I guess it depends on who's listening. It, it is funny. Um, there was a passenger, first-class passenger, flying from. We were doing Tampa, L.A. She took an Ambien before the flight and promptly fell asleep right away and about just like she hoped, sitting in first class with a male passenger next to her and she decided. I have an idea of where this might be going. Okay, so she's sitting next to a male passenger. Yeah, sound asleep and decides to have a very racy dream at that point. She hikes her leg up over the male passenger and and, oh, yeah. and, and continues to oh, en- enjoy her dream. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the A-line throws a, uh, a towel over her or a, a blanket and uh, eventually she wakes up seeing where she is and oh, very gosh. red-faced. And the, the funny part of the story was on landing when the passenger, the male passenger got off he said, this is the best flight I have ever had. <laughs> I'm asking a pilot now. Captain, no less. Have you ever cried at work? Uh, no, pilots don't cry, but they do whine sometimes. you. <laughs> But it was, yeah, there was Marine Detachment in Africa. This was only a few years ago, but they had the day off. So they're like playing volleyball and stuff. 
and one of the guys in the unit, you know, dropped his pants to take a leak there, but, and this big bug came by and nailed him on the leg. And next thing you know, his leg, it's up on his thigh, just started swelling like this. And they thought it was bit, and all they had was a corman there. And so the corman didn't know what to do, so he's looking and looking. And then finally, they got on the radio, and they got hold of, I guess, a UN doctor somewhere, a French doctor there. And the guy, when the bug landed on him, he hit it. So they had the bug. And the French doctor said, uh, well, describe the bug too. So they very described the bug to this doctor. The doctor said, oh, that he did not get stung. That bug laid an egg inside the man's leg, and you have to get it out. So... I, you know, just the corpsman there. So he and the doctors tell them how to do it. They got like a scooper, and they scoop the big plug of this guy's thigh out. And the doctor told them how big it had to be. It had to be pretty big because it had to be sure to get the egg. So they got it out. And then they had to pack the hole. They took a bunch of fat out of his butt, and they packed, you know, antiseptic-wise, put it in there. But all the rest of the Marines, they wanted, they heard that there was an egg in there, so they kept it in a jar. And the next, they wanted to see. So the next thing you know, out of the chunk of hide from this marine is just he said, just god awful ugly worm. It's just, and so it's still growing. So they got another piece of meat and put in there so this worm would keep growing, and it ate the other piece of meat, and then it turned it, you know, made a crystallis or whatever you call it. So it was going to turn into one of those. Bugs. So yeah, next time you go to Africa, think about that. That some guy threw up in the bath in the toilet, and his dentures came out and went down the toilet, and he wanted them back. <laughs> he want he wanted his They'd dentures back. <laughs> it just grosses me out. I can't. I can't even. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine getting them, having them return to you, knowing where they had been. <laughs> So this next story involves two different pieces of emergency equipment that we have on the airplane. And I just want to tell you just quickly about each piece of equipment as it pertains to the next story. We have a portable oxygen unit, a PO2, um, that we use on all the people that pass out on the airplane. People pass out a lot for some reason. Um, And the PO2 we use a lot because just about any emergency medical situation, oxygen really seems to help. So, and then we have another piece of equipment, which is called a PBE. So the first one was a PO2, and the second one is a PBE. (laughs) And they're very different. The PBE is a hood that you put over your head in case there was a fire on board. And you use this so that you can see and breathe and, and see through the smoke and be able to breathe to fight a fire. So it's sort of like an astronaut helmet. It's this thing you stick over your head, it seals around your head, and then you can fight a fire. So that's the PBE. And the other one, the oxygen that we use on the sick people, is a PO2. Okay, good. So you worked for a regional carrier, right? Yes, and this was on a uh, a 70-seat jet, so we had two flight attendants on this one. And I don't think we had, we were noted for having the brightest flight attendants, especially on this flight. It's okay, I understand. 
a passenger had passed out in the back, and she thought he was having a heart attack, breathing problems. He's, so she calls the captain promptly and says, we're giving the passenger oxygen. Without a doubt, the captain says, we're diverting. Prepare the cabin. So she starts administering the oxygen to the passenger. The other flight attendant comes back and says, well, what are you doing? Well, he's having breathing problems. He's having tr- heart problems, potentially. I'm giving him oxygen. Oh, okay. So anyway, they get on the ground. The paramedics come on, and as they open the cockpit door and the captain looks back and he sees a, a PBE being taken off of the, the passenger who's laid out in the aisle. And they said, well, I was giving him oxygen. Well, luckily, there was nothing wrong with the man. He survived. He lived. It was fine. No harm, no foul. I don't think the flight attendants are no longer flying, but anyway. Yes. I think that's funny. It is, yeah. I was working a flight in from London to Denver, and it was about a nine-hour flight with some moderate chop, not too turbulent. When we landed, I was standing in the back of the airplane next to the lavs, lavatories, and a very tall, probably 14-year-old teenager came running back toward the back. He looked a little green around the gills, so I opened the bathroom door for him. And instead of, you know, jumping into the bathroom, he grabbed both of my shoulders and did a power puke right on my head. Why would he grab your shoulders? He was a goofy teenage boy. He grabbed me. I was covered from head to toe with barf. And, of course, they shut the water off on the airplane, so I couldn't get any water out of the faucets. So I opened up two cans of Sprite and just all over my head and also coffee grounds, raw coffee grounds, to absorb the smell. Lo and behold, it was the first time I never got searched going through customs. They waved me through. And that is my story. Last week, I did have a more severe medical incident. This man who had a pacemaker and um, many other health problems fainted. And uh, one of the flight attendants immediately said, came and got me and told me she was going to put him on oxygen. And I uh, first called the cockpit, tell them what's going on and paged for a doctor. Luckily, um, two doctors came forward. Thank goodness for the medical professionals. I'll tell you, <laughs> they save us. So, um, the doctor, the cardiologist, wanted us to get the defibrillator, which was surprising because at this point the, the gentleman was conscious. But, you know, this man was a cardiologist, and he said that he can monitor his heart rhythm to see how serious his heart episode was. So we put the defibrillator on him, you know, the pads and everything, and we still have the oxygen on him. And then the doctors decided they want to take his blood pressure. We have a blood pressure cuff, so he's got the blood cre- pressure cuff on one arm and then they, they say they want to lay him down so I there's like of course it's a full flight so I move the other passengers and they try to lay him down and put his feet up the wall on the side of the airplane on the and um this is very stressful for us um I was on a plane full flight there's only four of us I was working first class I'm in charge I had only gotten six of the dinners out in first class so I tell the people in first class as I'm running back and forth getting all this emergency equipment I'm like I'm sorry we're having a medical incident you know I'm the service is just going to have to wait. And I even got on the PA and said to the rest of the passengers, because it seems like on the airplane, unless you're right near the person who's having a heart attack or is, you know, convulsing, the rest of the 
passengers don't seem that sympathetic unless they're nearby. So I got on the PA and said, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a medical situation. I'm sorry we aren't serving in the cabin. We will again as soon as we're able. But, you know, we're running getting all this stuff. So now this guy has on the oxygen. He's got the defibrillator pads on. The defibrillator luckily said not to shock him. And um, taking the blood pressure, the doctor had surmised that his blood pressure had just dropped really, really low. And then they decided to put him on an IV. So we've got it. He has on (laughs) the pads from the defibrillator stuck on his chest, the oxygen mask, the blood pressure cuff. And now the doctors put an IV in his arm and they asked me to get a hanger from the first class closet and we hang it from the overhead bin. Full flight. Very stressful. I'm running back and forth from the patient, talking to the cockpit, trying to get all the emergency medical equipment and a first class passenger one of the six I had given the meals to says to me, can I get another butter? And this is when I'm pretty patient. I'm a patient person. But when somebody's life is in danger, when health is involved, when it's an emergency, when somebody asked me for butter, another butter, I just want to say I didn't. I came really close to saying, you're kidding me, man, right? You're kidding me. (laughs) We've got this man on an IV and you want another butter? I mean, that's what put us here in the first place. Butter. Well, that's about it for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope your next airline travel experience does not involve any blood, sweat, puke, or tears. (laughs) And I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye.